What's on the horizon for financial markets? At PGIM, it's a question that over 1,400 investment professionals relentlessly research in pursuit of your long-term goals. Specialized across asset classes, but united in collaboration, our teams provide global and local expertise. Our investments shape tomorrow, today. Pursue your tomorrow with PGIM, a leading global asset manager. Bring in show music, please. Hi, I'm CNBC producer Katie Kramer. Today on Squawk Pod. Super Bowl 57 in the books. We've got all the business of the big game, the bets, and the high-dollar ads. Measuring advertising impact with EDO's Kevin Krim. When we see people searching for or going to the websites of the brands that are advertising, that's a very good predictor of changes in market share, of sales lift, of the kind of results that shareholders want. The military shooting down another suspicious flying object over U.S. airspace. Are there more? Retired Army Colonel Jack Jacobs. We should be worried about them because we don't know what they're after. And are they extraterrestrial? NORAD's not ruling it out. CNBC's Eamon Javers is on the story. But when you're throwing aliens into the conversation, you're clearly considering just about every possibility out there. It's Monday, February 13th, 2023. Squawk Pod begins right now. Stand back, you by in three, two, one. Cue it, please. Good morning, everybody. Welcome to Squawk Box here on CNBC. We're live from the NASDAQ market site in Times Square. I'm Becky Quick, along with Joe Kernan and Andrew Ross Sorkin. And yeah, we're up. We watched most of the Super Bowl. Three quarters. You know today, exactly exactly three quarters. You know, more people call in to work sick today than (laughs) any day of (laughs) the year. No. I actually be very curious to see how many of our... Our fabulous audience is actually awake. And those of us who show up rolling. may not be completely 100% right. productivity today. And don't you. Uh, <laughs> he looked at you like. No, no, I heard some weird <laughs> no, it was squeaking. Like, it was I like heard a some wheel weird squeaking. squeak. I thought there's a dog in here or something. Uh, and, and, you know, if you have some fun, if you have some fun food, yeah. you do maybe have some beers or some coffee. Right. I'm just, That's what probably accounts right. for all of the uh, calling my out problem, sick days. My problem is I want to drink. The beer that Tony Romo drinks, and I'm so confused now. Did I? I mean, is it Corona, which he did 50 ads for? Is it Michelob? Tony, give me some clue here. Do you just? It doesn't matter who. You don't even care. It's if whoever they pay pays, you. Yeah, if they pays. pay you, you. So I'm confused. Did you notice that? I, I did not notice. Oh, that. I even tweeted that out. It's like Tony, dude, you told me to drink Corona, so I've been drinking Corona. Now I see you, you know, dressed switched, up like Bill Murray. Leagues. He did. He did. He switched leagues. Did any? So here's my problem. I'm so used to watching a commercial comes and I start doing something else that I'm like, oh wait, I'm supposed to watch. And then I do watch. I'm like, I wish I wasn't watching. I I didn't like any of them. Oh, I liked some of them. I liked a few of them. We were just talking about Google Pictures. I thought was good. I I thought the Duncan. I liked the national anthem. And I love the the Philadelphia coach. Except I knew if they lost, they were going to use that for. A meme I mean, for the end of the game. I don't care. It was totally no. It's great. I tweeted that and said it was totally contagious, and I'm not embarrassed because I watching it. It's like I don't know. Chris Stapleton was so awesome. 
It was. It was very moving. Really I thought Dunkin' Donuts was good. You I, that's why I said I didn't like I thought that was stupid. Why? I thought it was funny. It caught me at the because I, she was there. Oh, he's lowering. Those people are have done more. They do more in a day's work than he's done in his entire. Oh, that's so untrue. Oh, they were acting like he lowers himself to be a Dunkin' oh, Donuts. and lowering himself. And she said, by the way, on your way out, get me a glazed. I heard. Uh, I, don't, I didn't like it. I didn't I like the Bradley the, Cooper one. I thought the Bradley Cooper with the mother like was funny. Nope. I couldn't T-Mobile. I couldn't hear Didn't it. like it. <laughs> okay, we'll have much we, more. We are going to talk more about the ads, about the Super Bowl, about how... What about all the people watching? Did you do any people watching? Oh, sure. You know, Rupert, Elon Rupert, Elon Rupert, Rupert with Elon. Yeah. Yeah. Tim Cook with... I didn't um, see that. I didn't see that either. Uh, what's her name? Famous musician. I'll grab it in a second. Uh, I'll tell you. It sounds like. uh, (laughs) As a person who's afraid of heights. Yeah. Those platforms, when they zoomed in on them, they were like moving a little. And I would have been like this on the the platform, (laughs) trying to hold on to something. If I. I would have thrown up. That was my thought is I would have thrown up, especially. I'm afraid of, of heights, and yeah. that scared, really scared she me. She commanded really that. Scared. She did. Credit for it. And, and another thing, was, my son, I'm watching, never heard one of those songs, maybe one of them. My son knew the word. He's like, right at the very beginning, he'd start singing. I go, you, how do you know these songs? He knew every. Because he's younger. You got to rub that in, don't you? Well, yeah. you're right. He is your son. He knew every single word. Did you know? Did you know some of those songs? Yes. I I do listen to Spotify, and you do too. I just I listen on to what the kids are listening to. Different things. Yeah. What are you doing here? Ask me if I'm. Is this what you do when you say you want to work all day? I, I gotta go, guys. Last night's Super Bowl broadcast had some great plays, but also some great commercials. It featured celebrities like Steve Martin, Ben Affleck, Serena Williams. Joining us right now is Kevin Krim, EDO's president and CEO, who's been measuring all of these and their impact, at least based on, Kevin, let's talk us through this, who searches things on the internet right afterwards. That's, That's what right. you guys are measuring. That's the main thing, yep. And, and based on that, I mean, I, I was just going back and forth because your list of memorable ones was not the same list I had. I, I saw some of these commercials. Some of them I don't remember. And I guess part of that is what you guys are searching for. When somebody sees something and they want to find out more information, they go immediately to the Internet and start uh, trending through. Right, Becky. And why that matters is that when we see people searching for or going to the websites of the brands that are advertising, that's a very good predictor of changes in market share, of sales lift, of the kind of results that shareholders want. I mean, that makes sense. It, you're, you're tracking like the absolute change in behavior as a result of this. But I think some of them for a brand like Dunkin Donuts, I know what Dunkin Donuts is. I'm not yep. going to go look, but even though I liked the ad and it made me laugh. Same thing with avocados. I know what avocados are. The Steve Martin Pepsi ad I thought was great. Wow, that's fantastic. Or was I just acting? Only way to find out is to try it yourself. But I know what these things are, so there's not really a reason for me to go to right. the Internet and search them. Right, right. Well, you take some of these very well-known brands like M&M's, which was in our top ten. Ma and Yaws, candy-coated clam bites. You want one? With Ma and Yaws. And the use of Maya Rudolph in that case with humor, that really nailed it, I think, for M&M's. And it's the kind of brand shift that you can see reflected in behavior like what we measure that is important for somebody like Mars who want to move the needle on 
you know, getting past some of the past controversies. And I was just going to say, they, they, were, they were in a specific situation yeah. where they created a new Eminem's character that irritated some part of, their, of the population, and they were trying to do some, some right. and so damage they really, control. What we showed is that they moved the needle. They did change the, the perception and the goals. What was the number one ad? It was the... The Flash the, trailer. The Flash trailer. So, I mean, DC is in a big battle with Marvel. Um, I think if you're a Warner Brothers Discovery, you know, uh, shareholder right now, you're feeling good. You changed the future. And you changed the past. Disney, though, also moved the needle in a big way with their Disney 100 campaign spot, which was you know, yeah, I did touched see all that. the right like, notes. That, 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 that one was like a, a little bit. If you if you've watched any of these movies, if you know anything over the years with your kids, that one also kind of touched a chord with things. So the Walt Disney Company Dream Come True that was number three. Yeah. Um, he gets us. Love your enemy. Which one was that? I'm so this is the ad. This is um, backed by the the founder of Hobby Lobby, and this is a campaign that um, has been running across the NFL, very high profile oh, all this. season. Yeah. And it's an attempt by you know, uh, a certain group of, of, of Christians to uh, change the narrative from Trumpism. Well, this is the, this is the what would Jesus do in some of these yes. situations, yes. ads that are there. And very effective, yeah. is what our data show. You know, what's interesting is these ads have been running before the Super Bowl. Same thing with a couple others that popped up in here, and some of the ones I saw last night. Does it matter if you debut an ad in the Super Bowl or if you're running it ahead of time? Our data doesn't really show that it matters one way or the other. I mean, we had Timu. Um, this Chinese shopping uh, app and service that had t the only brand that had two ads in the top 10. It was the same creative, a 30 second spot. That's a brand new uh, brand for most uh, consumers in the US, if not all, and it really popped. Whereas we had other new that didn't. Uh, and so that's you know, one where I think it is a lot about what the creative is saying. I mean, that says something to me. The idea that it's nothing I've ever heard of before. I might search on the internet for that. I right. may not buy from it, though. I, I, I guess that's that good. comes on, and I'm doing what I do during commercials, which is not watch it them. It wasn't targeted at you, Joe. I think it was targeted <laughs> at a different demographic. I, that's, that, that is a problem that I had all last night. Was it, well, number one, I stopped it for a while, so I was able to fast forward. Yep. So I found myself okay. I can get. I don't need to watch Did these. Did you ads. skip Apple Music's? I was skipping show? some. No, I didn't skip that, but I was skipping some of the ad. And I have a tendency, when they go to commercial, to stop watching the TV or go do something, whatever, whatever I need to do. I, I suspect from our data that you're in the minority. I, I will ask this though. I, I found myself doing the same thing because the game was so good. It was hard to figure out when I was going to put the dishes away, when I was going to go get the kids in their pajamas and do different things. Yeah. I mean, that because the game was so good. Is it better to have a good game where people will stick around through the end? Or is it better to have a game that's a little boring so people watch the commercials instead? In our data, a good game is good for the advertisers as well. I, I think people talking, stay engaged throughout. You're, you're talking your book. Right. You, you, the, why do you think people like streaming? Because we, we don't see, have to right. watch the ads. We see, we see the data <laughs> Why is streaming the most popular thing? blowout, the data falls uh, off a cliff yeah. for advertisers. Well, talking about an ad that's not, not on your list was the, was, was the, the Tubi ad, the Tubby ad. Tubi ad, it did pretty well. It was not in our top. Uh, I thought 10, it would be. I thought a lot of people were talking about it on that? Twitter. The rabbit hole. Uh, oh yeah, yeah which was, which starts yeah. off as a little bit of an like, LSD trip. What the heck is going on? Trip, right, then. you don't know what's going on, and then it, you sort of go into this other crazy place. Yeah, and so far these teams, they've really. I figured and, out it was yeah. the rabbit hole before. And you think something's wrong with your that. TV, right? That's well, there, yeah, there was the other ad where, yeah, there, 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 it looks like you're, something's happening with your ad. Right. You know, that's We're showing that one a, right now. Yeah, but that's a bit of a trick um, that can be... 
Did you think that was popular? Did you think that was a a work? I you know I thought I thought it was uh, effective. Uh, although it can strike, I thought the wrong this the, what we just showed is more was more effective. Right. The one where you didn't know what was going on, right? You thought maybe something was wrong. You start picking up your remote. Yeah, I, I think it was probably actually the other way around in our data. Was that the rabbit hole oh, one what? did better than the the interface? That but do you think like a lot of people Google? I mean, that could be a, isn't isn't Google is is and then the other question is is how much is Googling the success? Well, it's it's a predictor of results. It's a predictor of changes in sales. And so you know there are some brands that aren't really trying to do that initially, um, so maybe it's not the right metric for them, but in general, right. it is a very good think, predictor of changes in your What do you business. think the average cost, total cost, so the $7 million we know for the 30 seconds. Yeah. Some of these are, uh, ads are like a minute long. Yep. Right, uh, the T-Mobile ad with uh, Bradley per- Cooper was, it was a minute long. Um, when you look at, how much do you think of then on top of that, so if you look at a Bradley Cooper ad for that, that T-Mobile, what do you think T-Mobile spent just to do the production of that ad and to pay Bradley Cooper and the mother. And then how many times are they going to run that, not just on the Super Bowl, so, but a million times you know, around the Super Bowl? The Super Bowl is a great place to launch a campaign. And the investment in the, the creative and the total campaign is going, to, is going to be much higher than the $7 million for 30 seconds that these brands are spending in the game. So, what, so, so it's, that it's add onto itself, all in. It's going to be in the tens of millions of dollars, all in, that investment. My favorite was seeing Tuco. No, we don't eat our own supply. Mr. White! Jesse. Everyone's going to want to taste. Tuco. Tuco. In the Popcorners ad. Uh, the Breaking in the, Bad Yeah, spot. Breaking Bad. Because they had Jesse and, and Walter White, but then they had, that right. was like a, that was my favorite one of all. I was surprised guys. that Popcorners didn't uh, yeah. do as well in our data as, as I. My, my other question is halftime. Halftime show. Yeah. Apple. Yep. Versus the old Pepsi. Halftime show. Does that change the dynamic? Do people actually go and sign up for Apple Music as a function of Apple being that sponsor versus Pepsi? I understood the Pepsi thing I sort of understood. The Apple thing, for whatever reason, I don't know, it may be less compelling for me. I don't, I'm not sure. I'm a Spotify, Spotify subscriber. Does it work, not work? It, it's very effective. We analyzed the Pepsi halftime show and the lift that Pepsi would get out of that halftime show um, for the last seven years before this year. And it was very effective. It was a good economic decision for Pepsi in, yes. our, in our view. Because um, you can equivalize what it got versus yep. what it would cost to buy that same kind of impact totally. um, with regular ads. And for Apple Music, I mean, that show really set Apple Music to me versus the, the previous Pepsi halftime show. Because so, it felt Apple. Yeah, and, and Apple like Music is in a real battle with Spotify, right. Amazon Music, and for Apple Music, it's a statement. What did you see? What, uh, this is a response like they were dancing on iPhones. <laughs> it, it, right? And that's an effective uh, right. image for Apple Music to send, and the Apple Music Red, you know, that right. uh, was, was... But did you see a lot costume. of, you know... We saw Apple a ton music of lift for Apple Music. Ton of lift. We're still analyzing the final numbers on Apple Music. We prioritized the regular ads first, uh, but it's, it's. I would it's love to see the effectiveness effective. of that versus Pepsi. Yeah. We, now, we'll having said out. that, by the way, there's a lot more money, and if they can actually get just even one person to subscribe to Apple Music, and you know, over a year versus how many times you're actually going to go buy either Doritos or Pepsi, Pepsi, and the margin there is wild. So you yeah. thought leaders have used equivalize enough to make it a word? <laughs> Is that true? I, I, I think it's, it's not equalized. Well, I'm making yeah. it a word. Th- okay. If you want to do that, it's like uh, refudiate. Sarah Palin made up some words. Hey, Webster oh, comes oh. New, huh? Webster comes up with new words every they year. They do. You can put it right in the dictionary. Or equivalize. Equivalize. Kevin, thank you I'll very take much. Your word thank for you. It. Great Kevin Cripp. Thanks. Cheese will be next. Next. 
On Squawk Pod, the U.S. shot down a fourth flying object over the weekend. CNBC's Eamon Javers on the concerns of what are these things over North American airspace. At this point, we don't know that the latest three objects were Chinese. There was this moment yesterday, a Northcom official was asked whether this could be extraterrestrial and said, you know, they're not ruling that out. And retired Army Colonel Jack Jacobs on what the suspicious crafts could be doing. There's some speculation that they're testing our defenses, but the real danger here is that uh, it will escalate by itself. Hi, I'm Ben Rizzuto, wealth strategist at Janice Henderson Investors. Is a brighter future possible? At Janice Henderson, we think it is. For 90 years, we've worked to help clients achieve superior financial outcomes and fulfill our purpose of investing in a brighter future together. We know that this means our thinking and our investments are helping to shape millions of futures. At Janice Henderson, we are committed to helping you invest in a brighter future for the next 90 years and beyond. To learn more, go to JaniceHenderson.com. From pit lane to podium, the Las Vegas Grand Prix is providing fans a race day experience at the speed they deserve. With the help of T-Mobile for Business, our 5G advanced network solutions are powering race day operations with event-wide connectivity. From streamlined gate entry to an immersive app, giving fans blazing fast access to the sport they love. This is accelerating innovation. This is the Las Vegas Grand Prix with T-Mobile for Business. Take your business further at T-Mobile.com slash now. This is Squawk Pod from CNBC. Stand by Joe in three, two, one, his mic, Q. Good morning and welcome back to Squawk Box here on CNBC, live from the NASDAQ market site in Times Square. Uh, I'm Joe Kernan along with Becky Quick and Andrew Ross Sorkin. And we've had people write in that it's not just Super Bowl hangover Mondays, it's just Mondays. <laughs> what do you got? No, I was just going to say, we were talking about people being sick or, or calling in sick. A lot of people do that. 18.8 million people. <laughs> Are, are going to be calling in sick today from work. This, and, and the statistic is one in five. One in five people who watch the Super Bowl are going to call out sick I today. thought about it. Suck it up, I thought, man. I thought about it, but I don't, I, I got to be here. I just need to for viewers, I think. I, you, know right. what I'm, you know what I'm saying? And because those folks are waking up to watch the show. <laughs> yeah, the ones they may that not are, be going to work, but the ones that, the, the ones that are, uh, I don't know. I was it's looking for it. It brings you back to the question of should it be a national holiday? Well, that's always been the case. Well, if we had four-day work weeks, we wouldn't even be talking about this because it'd be a Monday and we'd be off anyway. You know, next Monday, boom. That's true. We're off next Monday. I'm already thinking about it. That's sick, isn't it? If, it, if we didn't get up at 3.30, it wouldn't be as much of a... Sure, sure. But why don't they play the Super Bowl on a Saturday? Why do they pick Sunday? Why don't they play it at, at, at 5? You know, because of the West Coast, I guess. It's pretty it's early. Anyway. We have a 6.30 there. start anyway. I know. I got to watch three quarters. And that, that, uh, has it always been starting at 6.30? Oh, at, as long as I've... Is that about right? Sometimes right. In the past, we've been on our way out to Pebble because it's been that right. week. And it right. was a little different right. um, this time. Yeah. Meantime, the U.S. shooting down now a fourth unidentified object, this one over the skies near Lake Huron between the U.S. and Canada. 
Eamon Javers joins us now with the latest as we try to make sense of what's taking place here. Eamon. Yeah, good morning, Andrew. A U.S. F-16 fighter jet fired a single Sidewinder missile at 2.42 p.m. Sunday, dropping the unknown object into Michigan's Lake Huron. So far, at least, there's no explanation from the military of what exactly this object was, other than a description that officials provided of an octagonal object with strings hanging from it, but with, they said, no discernible payload. It was traveling at an altitude of about 20,000 feet. Now, the military is expected to try to recover the object from the frigid lake waters in the coming days. This unprecedented spate of encounters began on February 4th, when a U.S. F-22 Raptor shot down a Chinese surveillance balloon off the coast of South Carolina. Then on Friday, the U.S. military shot down what they called a high-altitude object in Alaskan airspace. The White House described that object as flying at an altitude of roughly 40,000 feet uh, and as roughly the same size as a small car. Then on Saturday, the U.S. fighter jet shot down a second unidentified object over Canada. It's not clear where these latest three objects came from, who sent them, or what their intent was. But it does seem clear that the White House will now be under a lot of pressure to provide some answers as the week goes on, Andrew. Back over to you. If, if there's an inflection point here in terms of escalation and, and what you're hearing. Well, look, at this point, we don't know that the latest three objects were Chinese. They could have been somebody else's objects. You know, there was this moment yesterday where a, a Pentagon official, a Northcom official, was asked whether this could be extraterrestrial and said, you know, they're not ruling that out. We saw spokespeople back off of that uh, later and saying there's no evidence that these are alien. But when you're throwing aliens into the conversation, you're clearly considering just about every possibility out there. So until they can pin this specifically on the Chinese government, it's sort of hard to have a diplomatic reaction vis-a-vis -vis the Chinese government, which is saying it has no information on the other three unidentified objects. They say that uh, the first object was a weather balloon that just errantly strayed into U.S. airspace. The United States government doesn't buy that story on the first object. The last three objects, though, seem to be a total mystery, Andrew. Now it's going to depend on uh, U.S. and Canadian crews getting up into the northern territories where those objects were shot down to try to recover some of the wreckage and see just what the heck this thing was. And then presumably some crew is going to have to go diving in Lake Huron, which is very cold this time of year, to see if they can fish that thing out of the water and, and figure out what that one was, if they were all three the same and where they came from. Okay. Yeah. We have, Thank you. We have good jobs, Eamon, you know. Yeah. I don't want I don't <laughs> I don't even want to think about those guys that, that uh, you don't want to do you yeah I mean they're up there in the Yukon they're yeah. out on frozen ocean uh, no. trying to find pieces of a UFO right. I mean it is you can imagine that that's tough duty right and now I feel bad about complaining about Monday morning after the Super Bowl getting up at 3:30. I, I take it back thanks thanks Eamon we want to turn to retired U.S. Army Colonel Jack Jacobs. He is an NBC News military analyst, also a Medal of Honor recipient. Good morning to you. Um, another day, another headline about one of these downings. What's going on? Well, uh, nobody's quite sure. Uh, the last two were decidedly different than the first one, which was obviously a balloon. One of the last uh, few of these was uh, described as being cylindrical and decidedly not a balloon. But what's interesting about the first one is that the the government says for sure that it had a, a communications array that is a series of antennas to pick up the location and the nature of communications that, that are taking place down on the ground. 
these are frequently on satellites, but you can put them on balloons. It's kind of interesting, it's Victorian era technology to pick up uh, 21st century communications. So but the last few of these, uh, the government's not talking about what it is, and they won't until they figure out right. uh, from the debris what's going on, Joe. Colonel, the markets, the, the world seems to be um, fascinated by this, but, but for the most part, uh, not that worried. Should we be more worried about what's happening here in terms of some kind of escalation? Yeah, from a national security standpoint, we ought to be worried for two reasons. The first is because we we don't know what they are and we don't know what their capabilities are. And they're extremely difficult uh, to pick up. Uh, balloons, for example, have uh, uh, no infrared signature and a very, very small radar signature because of all the stuff. We don't know who's listening, when they're listening. It, it seems to be clear that people have been listening for a long time, and we and haven't been able to. That's the thing. They've just been up there. And, we and they're not test runs for something beyond just surveillance, are they? Everybody's talking about the possibility of a atmospheric uh, detonation of some type of nuclear device, which would knock out our grid. Uh, I mean, are, are any of those things... Something to really worry about? Well, uh, they are, but not for that reason. They're, uh, they're, uh, we should be worried about them because we don't know what they're after. Uh, there's some speculation that they're testing our defenses. Right. But the, real, the real danger here is that uh, it will escalate by itself, not because of the devices there, but because the conversations between the United States and, and China will get testier and testier. Uh, we'll we'll have uh, economic sanctions against various entities. Uh, trade will collapse. Things will get much more difficult. China will retaliate. That's the real danger here, Joe. Is, is the is the issue? Is that why they're not telling us more about this? Like telling us that these are balloons coming from China, not clarifying that because they don't want more anger circulating and Congress to do other things to act in other ways. Well, that's entirely possible. I think the principal reason is they don't know yet what they are. I mean, if all they're doing is describing one of them as a cylindrical object that was smaller, much smaller than the balloon, uh, they may not know anything more than we do at the moment. They're trying to collect uh, around a debris field up in the Yukon. I've been up there in the wintertime. It's decidedly difficult to operate. The, the, the latest one is a, dropped into Lake Huron. I mean, collecting information on this stuff is going to be extremely difficult. And we're not, we haven't been particularly vigilant in the air. I mean, NORAD, I don't think, was were the first people to pick up the balloon. Uh, people on the ground saw it. I mean, if, if you're in a situation like that, there doesn't seem to be very much defense. And, the, and NORAD's going to get, is going to have to get better at doing it. But until they find out what was actually on these things, uh, we're not going to they're but not going to know. What is your we expectation know. in terms of how many more are just up in the sky? And and do you think that we've known about all of these? Do you think this is like just it somehow got on someone's radar for the first? I don't understand what's happening. Yeah, I, 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 there, there are probably lots of them. Remember the, the report of one going down South America and so on. Um, there may be more of these, but they are extremely difficult to pick up uh, unless you're really focusing on them. And we're going to have to focus more resources on picking these things up. Yeah, they're probably up there right now. Uh, and we don't know where they are unless we look. I mean, it's a needle in a haystack. The, the, you know, everything is it's 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 a volumetric thing. It's the cube of 
it's the cube of any measurement. It's very, very hard to pick these okay, things listen. up. I just want to go back to the escalation idea in terms of how you think, I mean, I, I hate to say how does it manifest because that sort of uh, anticipates that it will, it will manifest in some, some terrible way. But, you know, we focus on the markets. The markets, as I said, seem to be non-pulsed about all of this. Um, and I think as you're trying to think through sort of the permutations of what happens next, what happens next? Uh, uh, there, there will be more of these. I think one of the dangers here that the that we ought to be concerned about is that uh, the, the is the following. The assumption here is that these are all the work of the People's Liberation Army. And there is some level of autonomy the PLA has. The most powerful organization inside China. No matter what we think about Xi and the fact that he's in his third unprecedented term, that he's president for life and so on, this the continuation of these things may be an indication that she doesn't really have that much control over what's going on in his own country. And that may mean, I mean, this is real speculation, that may mean that there's, there's, a, there's some kind of broach between she and the PLA. And if that happens, there'll be there will be turmoil inside China, and that's not good for anybody, including the market. Is it possible that this is a, a more sophisticated surveillance technique than satellites, that, we, that it sits there long enough to gather more data? Or do we just assume that, that it's old-fashioned and, and like 20th century, not 21st century? Isn't it possible that, that, that these are more sophisticated than we know and that it was done for surveillance? I mean, they buy farmland. They... It's over Montana, where we have all the, the, the arsenals. Isn't it possible that it just sits there long enough to get more data than you can get from a satellite, and we're underestimating the, the technology? I don't think we're underestimating it. Those are, that's one of the things we're concerned about. Uh, they're unsophisticated in that the delivery mechanism is a, is a, a Victorian-era delivery mechanism. But it is sophisticated to the extent that you're talking about. It's very, very cheap to send these out. Uh, the next cheaper thing you can use is a drone, which does have staying power over a long period of time, but doesn't, it won't be up there as long as these things are. They can hover, they are maneuverable, and to that extent, they are more dangerous as far as we're concerned in terms of their capability to pick up information. So it's an odd combination of an old delivery mechanism uh, using a technique, that technique to collect a, a large amount of information about our military Fair capability enough. we're really worried about. Colonel, want to thank you. Appreciate it very, very much. Thanks, Andrew. Thanks. We'll be right back. From pit lane to podium, the Las Vegas Grand Prix is providing fans a race day experience at the speed they deserve. With the help of T-Mobile for Business, our 5G advanced network solutions are powering race day operations with event-wide connectivity. From streamlined gate entry to an immersive app, giving fans blazing fast access to the sport they love. This is accelerating innovation. This is the Las Vegas Grand Prix with T-Mobile for Business. Take your business further at T-Mobile.com slash now. You're listening to Squawk Pod and the Super Bowl hangover continues. Here's Andrew. There's also studies that show if you advertise in the Super Bowl mm-hmm. that it can be a curse for your stock. So that's like a whole other separate thing. There was an article in the journal about that. Well, it's pretty expensive to get 30% of the people. $7 million for a 30-second ad. I was thinking Squawk Box should do that, but I don't know. 
<laughs> well, I don't want the curse. I don't want the curse. SB, Super Bowl, Squawk Box. But think about Coinbase last year, Carvana. You could go through the list. True. This is true. And that's Squawk Pod for today. Thanks for listening. Squawk Box is hosted by Joe Kernan, Becky Quick, and Andrew Ross Sorkin. Tune in weekday mornings on CNBC at 6 Eastern to get the smartest takes and analysis from our TV show right into your ears. Please follow Squawk Pod wherever you get your podcasts. And let us know what you think of this podcast. Send us a tweet. We're at Squawk CNBC. We'll meet you back here tomorrow. Have a good Monday. We are clear. Thanks, guys. From their innovative practice facility to unmatched views from the fairway, the PGA of America is helping lower scores and elevate fan experiences with 5G solutions from T-Mobile for Business. Together, we're using AI-powered analytics to expand coaching tools and bringing fans closer to the pros with 5G-connected cameras. This is game-changing innovation. This is the PGA of America with T-Mobile for Business. Take your business further at T-Mobile.com slash now. 